Good morning, everyone. So we've made it to December, which I think makes it officially acceptable to talk about Christmas. Is that all right with everyone? Is that okay? Is anyone feeling Christmassy yet? Yeah? One or two? Is anyone definitely not feeling Christmassy? Yeah, a few of us. Okay, that's all right. It's good to be honest, you know. Um, you know, I say that, you know, all that, but the shop seems to have been trying to sell us Christmas since, do you remember those balmy summer months when it was just too hot? Do you remember those days? No. Um, and if you work in retail, I don't know if anyone works in retail here, but you have been tormented by festive playlists for many, many weeks already, if not more. Um, Thank you. 
has just been thrown at them. So if we take Elizabeth, she's been praying for a baby with her husband, Zechariah, for years and years. And suddenly, in her advancing years, she finds herself pregnant, beyond her wildest dreams, I'm sure. And yet facing the prospect of giving birth and parenting in old age. Mary was young, a teenager, probably somewhere between 12 and 14 years old. Can you imagine Unmarried, yet expecting a baby. Not something you would wish upon someone living 2,000 years ago. You know, at the very least, you'd expect them to be shunned by their own community, quite possibly even worse. For Mary, at age just 13, perhaps her life was effectively over before it had even begun. So both Mary and Elizabeth find themselves in extraordinary circumstances. And yet, remarkably, the theme that runs through this passage is not of sorrow, but of joy. In verse 41, John the Baptist in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy. In verse 42, Elizabeth, filled with the Holy Spirit, exclaims in a loud voice. In verse 46 and 47, Mary glorifies the Lord. Her spirit rejoices. You know, I think this, is, this really is the essence of the Christmas story. Joy to the world. But so often I think what we end up doing is confusing joy with happiness. Do you see that? So what is the difference between joy and why is it so different from happiness? Happiness, I believe, is, is driven. 
definition of joy from Katie Warren. It says, she, she says that joy is the settled assurance that God is in control of all the details of my life. The quiet confidence that ultimately everything is going to be all right. And a determined choice to praise God in all things. You know, joy is coming to a place where we can voice our struggles and our hurts and our brokenness, yet allow ourselves to be reminded of God's goodness and his love for us. Now that whilst life gives us highs and lows, ultimately all will be made well. And we can experience joy even in our hardships. Now I don't know what circumstances you find yourself in today. Maybe you're struggling with relationships. Maybe you're struggling in the area of money. You're feeling depressed and anxious, lonely. Or perhaps everything's going well. You know, whenever we find ourselves, as we enter this season of Advent of waiting for the coming King, are we going to let our circumstances dictate our inner joy? Or are we going to let our inner joy dictate our circumstances? situation she found herself in. Mary let her inner joy dictate how she faced up to the circumstances she that were thrown at her. So how can we experience that same kind of joy in our own lives? You know, here's a couple of few thoughts I, I hope will help us regardless of where we find ourselves this morning. Regardless of whether we have some faith and no faith or whether you're so welcome. And so, you know, I just hope that season of Advent, these, these are my thoughts will help us. So going back to that first verse we read this morning, Mary hurries off to see Elizabeth, her cousin. You know, Mary recognises that she can't face all of this on her own. You know, when we face difficult times in life, we can keep our eyes fixed on our own problems, or we can lift up our heads and reach out to others. Mary knows that she needs the love, support, and advice of someone else, someone who knew her and loved her and believed in her. And so she hurries off to see Elizabeth. You know, we all need people like that. We need people around us who give us life, not bring us down. But the pastor and author, Christine Penny, says this, surround yourself with those who bring you joy and life not drag you down with guilt and shame. When we share our experiences with others, good and bad, it helps us to get a better perspective on life. It helps us to see things through the eyes of others. You know, I have two friends I've known for nearly 20 years now, and we meet as regularly as we can, which isn't as often as we'd like. But when I meet up with them, I don't need to over-explain myself. They know me, and I know them. Anything, we challenge each other on anything. But above all else, they just give me a different perspective. And I think that's such a good thing for all of us. We stop relying on ourselves to be the ones to solve our problems. Now, throughout the Bible, we see that we were designed to live in community with others. That's one of the reasons why we value small groups so highly here at Riverside. It's a place where we can share life with others to learn and to grow together. Because Kathy and myself, it's 
something was to, to try a story about. We recognized that we needed the support and the love of other people around us, people around us, and to help us to do life well. But also knowing, and this does work two ways, that we can provide that same kind of support and perspective to others as well. We are better together. So if you're not part of a small group, today is a good day to do something about that. There's the board over there. If you go and chat to someone at the welcome point or have a look at the website as well, we can help you connect in with a group. But you know, Christmas can be an especially lonely and difficult time. You know, we have memories of lost loved ones, broken families, difficult relationships. The campaign to end loneliness in a recent survey suggested that there are over 9 million people in the UK who either always or often feel lonely. Over half of people aged over 75 live on their own. Which basically means there are people on our streets, people that we bump into in the supermarket, who are incredibly lonely. But as followers of Jesus, we have an opportunity and indeed a responsibility to those who find themselves lonely. You know, in fact, if, we, if we're honest with ourselves, so many of us experience loneliness ourselves. And I think the lie that we allow ourselves to believe is that it's just me. I'm the only one who feels that way. The truth is, I need you and you need me. We do life better when we're together. You know, if you'd appreciate getting to know a few other people, why don't you come along to the drop-in? It runs every Thursday for people just to drop in, to hang out with other people. Come on down. It's why we're having Christmas lunch on Christmas Day this year. If you value sharing Christmas Day with a few other people, then get yourself signed up. And if that's a problem, you know, come and chat to one of us as well. We'd love to, you know, connect you there. You know, I think, you know, at Riverside, we want to create space to hear from Buddy. I just want to take a slight detour again, just for a moment. You know, the Christmas story is all about invitation. And Elizabeth invited Mary into her home. And I want to ask you, who are you going to invite to enter into this Christmas story? We have one week to go into the carol services, two weeks till our crazy scientists uh, were going around um, finding their way back 2,000 years ago. There's still time to invite people. We've, we've put a whole bunch of names on these two crosses over here. There's time for you to, to still put a name on there. So if you, if you get up during the service and do that, that's absolutely fine. Um, you know, feel free to do that or do that at the end. Write a name on there. But if you have written a name on there, have you taken that opportunity to bump into somebody, to invite someone along? You know, do it now. You know, it will be such a great opportunity to do that. People are just waiting for the invitation. But there are people that need to be there, need to experience and to hear about the good news of Jesus. So please just find yourself in that conversation by the, you know, by the hot water machine or the cold water machine, whatever it is, you know, bump into the person that you need to bump into. Pray that God will give you that opportunity. Do it. So experience more joy. Jesus himself. 
set every heart prepared in room. So that means we need to make space to allow him to enter in and to receive his joy. If we're carrying too many other things, or have too many concerns and worries and burdens, then we simply won't have space for Jesus. Our calendars may be too full of parties, meetings, meals. That means we have to get rid of stuff we don't need. So I want to a challenge to each of us this Advent season. Where are we making time and space and room for Jesus this year? take some time each day. How are you going to start each day? Are you going to make room for him or not? It's a decision, it's a choice that we can make every single morning when we wake up. Are we going to respond to him like the baby in the womb and experience his joy? Or are we going to let it pass us by? And that's the decision that we can make every day. So I just want to give us some space this morning to wait. This is what Advent is all about. Jesus, come to this earth, the King of the world, come here to us. Let's just wait and just tell them, what are you going to do? What practical thing are you going to do to create space for him this Advent season? Jesus' name.